All right, everyone. Well, today we are celebrating communion, the first Wednesday of the month. And we're going to jump into Isaiah 53. We are going to do it a little different than last week. I know I like to change it up every time, but there is only 16 verses in 2 Timothy chapter 3. So we're going to try and do both. We're going to double dip. Can't have too much of the word, if you ask me. But Isaiah 53, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper together, verses 1 and 4. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. This portion of scripture was written hundreds of years before our Lord Jesus was born. Hundreds. And yet we're going to have a perfect example of his sacrifice prophesied for each and every one of us. And we're going to celebrate together as we pass out this bread that symbolizes his flesh and this cup that symbolizes his blood. Just for a moment, ponder that God descended from eternity, eternity past and eternity present, eternity future, descended and became a man. A regular man, ten toes, ten fingers, two eyes, one mouth, and he walked among us. That's the bread that we're going to celebrate, the symbol of his body, a regular body, and yet 100% divine. We're going to wait till we're all served together as the elders come forth, and then we'll partake together. Lord, what a privilege that it's your work and not ours that brings us this grace. You have saved us by faith alone in your sacrifice. And it is so humbling to think of what you've done for us. And as we partake together, Lord, we just want to celebrate and thank you in Jesus' name. And let's partake together. Let's go back into Isaiah 53 and verses 5 through 9. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. And yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He has taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken, and they have made his grave with the wicked." But with the rich at his death, 
because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. The Bible says in the book of Leviticus that the life is in the blood. It's the life of a person is in their blood. Obviously, without blood, we we won't live. And yet, Jesus, 100% man, 100% God, spilt his blood for us. His sacrifice for the remission of our sins. He was the atonement. Our peace, which comes only by the chastisement, paying the punishment for our sins, was found upon his body on the cross. That he would give himself for each and every one of us. That's what we celebrate when we take the cup together. We we ponder that we did not come to God. We did not climb to him. We did not earn an audience with him. That when we were sinners, when we were enemies with God, he descended and came to us. And gave himself for us. So once again, we're going to wait until we're all served and then we'll partake together. Once again, Lord, we come before you and we just are in awe of your grace, your unmerited favor that you've given each and every one of us that we could celebrate you coming for us giving yourself for us because you loved us father so we just want to give you thanks and praise in jesus name amen and let's partake verse 10 it reads yet it pleased the lord to bruise him he has put him to grief When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Uh, one day I was driving with um, an atheist coworker of mine here in the Low Country, and we were talking, and uh, obviously not a believer, but he says, you know, I don't know how we got on the subject, but he was talking about how obviously, and I agreed with him, we would never allow anyone to touch our son we both had a son each of us and yet he came and he said but you know what uh you know it 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 is a good trade i mean you got all of humanity for one person to for jesus to die i mean that's that's a good trade i was stunned to silence i'm going to be honest i didn't have anything i didn't have anything to say i think the holy spirit just wanted me to listen we talked about a few other things but i I couldn't get off of that thinking, man, you don't know the Lord then. And you don't know us. Because all of humanity, every soul is not worth one Jesus. The creator God of all things. 
if all of humanity chose him and say it would not be worth the value of who God is. And yet, in spite of that, he gave himself for you and I. He descended so that you would live. And he was numbered with the transgressors. And, you know, um, as I am before you, and we're partaking of the elements together, as I'm pondering and thanking God, I'm thinking just of how unworthy I am to stand in front of you and to hand out these elements and to pray over them and to partake with you because of how great our Lord is and his sacrifice for each, totally unworthy. And yet by his grace, by his blood and his righteousness, I am saved. Each and every one of us that have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we just, it's important for us not to lose sight of that. That is the very foundation of our eternity is what Jesus Christ has done for us. We're going to take a minute. We're going to pray for a moment and then we're going to get, um, throw the stuff away, get resettled in and we're going to jump into 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's pray. Lord, we just pray as we take a small break, Father, pondering on you and jump into your word that we would continue to grow in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, midweek, I'm just surprised we're all here alive. That's the grace of God. <laughs> and you, if you come fellowship on Sundays and Wednesdays, you kind of see in our heart, you know, Wednesdays for us is just a time where we come and relax. We don't emphasize so much our servants. You know, most of our servants are here on Wednesday nights. And so it's a little bit more lax, a little bit more laid back. It's not that we regard this Bible time any less than Sunday mornings is what I'm trying to get across. It's just a time where we can uh, let our guards down a little bit. And you notice on Sunday mornings, um, we emphasize more as servants here. We emphasize more reaching the other people that are here in the fellowship, serving others a little bit more. And so uh, I'm glad that you guys have all caught that spirit too. Let's pray once again as we jump into the scriptures. Lord Jesus, Thank you so much for your word and your sacrifice and pray you continue to speak to us this evening in Jesus' name, amen. Well, there's only 16 verses in chapter three and that's why I uh, took the risk to spend a short amount of time in it and there's really only two sections. Let's jump into them, section one in verses one through nine. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, also learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt mind disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no further. For their folly will be manifest to all, as theirs also was. So quite the list. Romans chapter 1 tells us, though, that apart from Jesus Christ, we can put our name by every one of of those things on the list. Especially 
our culture today. And as Christians, unfortunately, we have been boxed in America as being the people of what we stand against. The world sees us as people that stand against homosexuality. We stand against um, gender. They call it gender equality. But we know that that's not the case. We stand for the Bible so they know us as the no people. They're always the people that say, no, you can't do that. No, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. And we're being boxed for all these things of what we're against. But Second Timothy Remember, as Paul is writing this last letter, he's telling him, Timothy, these are the things I want you to stand on. Now, I bring that up because we look at this list right here as we did in first, we looked at this same list when we were in First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians, knowing that the times are going to get worse and worse and worse, and this is going to grow, this list. It's going to be more and more relevant you look at social media, you look at the TV, you look at our movies, you know, just on the conversation with my wife on the way here. They had to insert some garbage in the recent movie that was, what do we always say? It was a pretty good movie except for two minutes of this, three minutes of that. It's going to get worse. But here's the key. Who, does, who is that supposed to be shocking? God's not surprised. Paul was not surprised. That was in the first century. We should not be surprised. Listen, stop acting like you're surprised. What are we supposed to do? We're not supposed to sit around and be the no people. You know, I I envision, you know, the older man that's sitting on the lawn in the neighborhood yelling at all the kids driving by in their cars. And all he does is just sit out there and yell at them all day long. And unfortunately... That's what Christians are being known as. This, things aren't the way they used to be. You know, people aren't the way they used to be. Churches aren't full the way they used to be. People don't love God the way they used to be. Instead of being the people of what do we stand for instead of what do we stand against. Paul, Paul tells Timothy here in the last chapter, what did he say? He said, stand fast, be a soldier, be guarding, be a farmer, be working, work. Represent Christ. Here he says, hey, these people, this isn't a surprise. The times are going to get worse and worse. Get away from them. Get away from them. You go out there and you be a light into the world. As Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, no one could be a a light on a hill and no one puts a, a lamp shade, paraphrasing, on top of a light. He said, if the salt loses its flavor, it's good for nothing. We're just to go out there and to love in grace and in truth without compromising on those issues that I mentioned, but to be known for what we're for. And if you get into an area where you find yourself, especially younger people, you go to the Christian school, there's cliques and there's groups that you know they're not representing Christ. And yet, oh, they kind of are attractive. Here, Paul's telling Timothy, even as a pastor, he's saying, hey, Pastor Timothy, just stay away from them. These people are like Janus and Jambres who resisted Moses. That's verse 8. And you're like, well, who's those two people? That's the magicians that were imitating the works of God through Moses. Turned the, um, the Lord turned the rod into a snake. They had snakes. But then the real rod, the, the work of God, ate those snakes. And they were imitating, imitating. They couldn't bring any life. You notice that if you go back 
to the book of Exodus and you look at what the magicians were replicating, all they could do was make the chastisement, make the plague worse. They could never take it away. They could never make it better. Oh, he's got a snake? Well, I can make more snakes. Oh, he, he can make the water into blood? I can make more blood. He couldn't reverse it. Now, these false teachers that have a form of godliness, denying the power thereof, all they can, they, they don't bring life. They don't bring truth. They're just replicating the chaos. They're just increasing it. They're just making it worse. They resist the truth, it says. But what does it say there in verse 8? They're men of corrupt minds, disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no further. For their folly will be manifest to all. The Bible says, by their fruit, you shall know them. In, Christian, in uh, church leadership, what I'm always looking for, I'm looking for spiritual fruit. Uh, and I'm not looking to see, okay, well, deacon so-and-so only brought three people to church this month. There's churches that'll do that. They have a graph. They have charts. They have growth. You know, they give you goals. That's not what we're talking about. I'm, I'm, we're looking to see, does this guy, does this lady, are she growing in love? Is she growing in discipline? Is he in church more? Does he love the people that he's serving with? Is he serving? Does he have a, a bitter heart when they serve? Or does he have positive? Do they enjoy being here? Do they love it? Are they growing in the Lord? Can you tell that their relationship with the Lord is growing? Those are the things we're looking for. And if not, something is wrong. Now, that's a scary thing, that you can have a form of godliness and deny the power thereof. You can look like a Christian, you can act like a Christian, you can talk like a Christian, and not have a relationship with God. You can be religious. You can be very involved in the religion of churchianity and not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord. You may call on Him as your Savior, but He's not your personal Lord. As we've been going through Second Timothy, we've been talking about what that means. Owner. Does he own you? Paul himself says, I am a bond slave, bond servant of Jesus Christ. And so he's going to continue here expounding on this difference in verses 10 through 17. But you have carefully followed my doctrine. Notice he's switching gears. He's talking about Timothy here. But you. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, 
that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped, equipped for every good work. This is the difference between the imitators and the real thing. Timothy showed Paul his love. He stuck it out. He was there. Paul's been naming names on people that have abandoned him, people that have left him for the world or just left him because they were ashamed of Paul. And Timothy here, his son in the faith, he's just calling him out and says, you have stuck with me through all of the persecutions. You stuck with me through all the faith, and I have just seen the Lord working in you. You There are people in this room, they've been with me through a lot of things. A lot of spiritual warfare, a lot of ups in this building, a lot of downs in this fellowship. A lot of spiritual warfare, a lot of great times of just crying out in grace and joy, and there will be much more to come. Paul promises here, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, yes, there's going to be more persecutions. There's going to be more long-suffering. The times are going to get worse. That doesn't surprise us. We're just going to keep on loving the Lord and growing in His grace and being used by Him. And, uh, you know, I just want to take a moment to, to say that I am incredibly blessed by the people that have stood by me. You know, not everybody sticks it out. And I don't, I'm not a, you know, you see how awkward I get whenever you get talking about feelings, because I'm that guy that doesn't do it very often, but uh, I'm incredibly blessed by that. And that's all you're getting out of me. Verses 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16. All promises. They're all promises. First, verse 12. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Don't be surprised. Don't be shocked. Don't be depressed. And don't think that you've been highly honored. It's for all of us. We will all have persecution. We will all have resistance on some level. But if you stand in Christ... If you stand in Christ, you will grow. He will lead you. And all things will work together for the good. Verse 13, another promise. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. No, I don't care. Well, we definitely know now, but it doesn't matter what miraculous politician falls out of the sky and claims to be a Bible believer and how the whole world's going to, it is not going to get better. Maybe for a season, maybe for an hour, it will get worse and worse. The cults are going to grow. There will be more of them. More people are going to be deceived. The Lord is coming back. Now, these are promises. I am not a doom and gloom guy. I am excited for what God is doing in the midst of that. There's always a faithful remnant. The word of God is always going forth and will never return void. That's another promise in Isaiah. But for each and every one of us, it's important to realize this place is not our home. It's not getting any better. It's a promise. In verses 14 and 15, we have another promise. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. This is the promise. The call of God and the message of God will not change. We don't change the gospel to fit the culture. The way we present the gospel may change slightly, 
Paul says, to be all things to all people. But the message that salvation comes through Christ alone, faith alone in Christ alone will never change. The scriptures have never changed. They never will change. And what I like to, you know, we are a, a contemporary church here. We're now a traditional church. Contemporary has become traditional, and traditional has become ancient. And now you have neo, they, they label all these things, and now they got churches in circles, and they got churches with, you know, rock bands, and they got laser shows, and that's the new church. That's new contemporary. And I'm like, yeah, the message doesn't change. As long as they're preaching the gospel, you know, we do what we do here to get as close to the Bible and to worship in spirit and in truth as we possibly can. You know, the other people are doing it a different way. If they're in the Bible, praise God. That message does not change. Because listen, we're not doing first century church. First century church, we all get our mortgages together and we all pile them in together and your stuff becomes my stuff and my stuff is your stuff. And then you guys come to me, you give me your stuff and we start divvying it out. We're not doing that. Times have changed. But the message of the gospel has not. The, the, other, the flip side of that, remember Ananias and Sapphira. You cheat God, and they were, they were dead right there on the floor. Praise God, he moves us in different seasons. But the message, the message. Jesus said, you do not put new wine into old wineskins. But you put new wine into new wineskins. Old wine and old wineskins. What's the key there? It's still wine it's still wineskins. It's the same. It's new, but it's not changing. Some people are trying to turn the message into, okay, no, not new wine into new wineskins. How about Coca-Cola into new bottles? No, we're not changing anything. The times are getting worse and worse. We shall suffer persecution. The word of God will never return void. That's the promise here. Because in verse 16, this is the Bible verse. This is the promise that we highlight, double highlight, underline it. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I have a very, very high view of scripture. Sola Scriptura, it says in the Latin, meaning the Bible alone. God speaks through the Word of God. When we are in the Word of God, it is the mind of God. The words of God that brought forth all of creation in Genesis chapter 1. God spoke, and when He spoke, it was made. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the word of God. The volume of the book is written of him. And all of this book is given to us, whether you are 12 years old or whether you are 89 years old, the word of God is profitable for you. King James, New King James, NLT, NSB, New American Standard, ESV, if it is a word-for-word translation from the original scriptures, I cannot have a higher view of Scripture. If I tell you something and the Bible contradicts me, I am wrong. The church is wrong. It's the Word of God. When I became a believer, you know, I had, uh, you think I'm rough around the edges now. 
I had mental problems, spiritual problems, physical problems, emotional problems, relationship problems. And you know what the, the guys told me? My pastor, when he was discipling me, he said, just read the Bible. I said, but I don't get anything out of it. I, I don't even understand it. I can barely read, it seems like. I got spiritual warfare. I got him giving them all these problems. He said, just read the Bible. It'll transform your mind. It'll change your life. It'll soothe your soul. And you know what? He was absolutely right. The more I spend time in this word, the more I read it, the more I meditate it, the more I ponder it, the more I live it out, the closer I am to the Lord. The farther away uh, I am from this scripture, the more I'm like myself. And it's ugly. That promise is eternal. The word of God will never pass away. It'll never return void. You'll never go wrong by spending time in it. You'll never miss out on anything because you spent too much time in the Bible. With that, we're going to close tonight. We're going to spend some time praying, interceding for one another, interceding for our nation, knowing the times we're going to continue to seek the Lord and to celebrate the work that he's doing each and every day. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to come before you and to spend time in your word to spend time in fellowship, to spend time celebrating you and worshiping you. And now, as you've called us to pray, Lord, we want to be a prayerful people just coming before your throne. In Jesus' name, amen.